0: You are listening to the Rooted Ministry Podcast, a conversation advancing gospel-centered ministry to youth. For more information about Rooted, visit our website at www.rootedministry.com. Welcome to the Rooted Podcast. The Rooted Podcast is part of Rooted's mission to equip and empower churches and parents to faithfully disciple students towards lifelong faith in Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Davis Lacey, and it is my joy to be joined by Jen Pollock Michelle on the Reoer Podcast today. Jen, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Davis. It
0: is day three of the 2019 Root Conference here in Chicago. How are you holding up?
1: I feel like my voice is a little bit deep <laughs> and worn out, even though I only talked t- twice yesterday. So it's been an amazing conference. Like I love um feeling I love attending a conference where I receive as much as I give, I feel mm. like, yeah.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I have noticed um, being day three this is this is one of several podcasts that we've recorded here at the conference. and I've noticed, I'm really having to fight to enunciate words.
1: My, my, <laughs> diction,
0: my diction is in the trash right now. So we're gonna try to get through this thing. Uh, we can do um, it. I might have to repeat myself a couple times. You might be hoarse by the end of it. And we're just we're just gonna give glory to Jesus. We're just gonna Amen. we're just gonna make this thing happen. Um, y'all, for those of you who may not be familiar with Jen and her writings, she's the author of Teach Us to Want, Longing, Ambition, and the Life of Faith, which was Christianity Today's 2015 book of the year. Her second book, Keeping Place, Reflections on the Meaning of Home, was published in 2016. Both books have been produced as original video series for Right Now Media. Finalist for the Evangelical Christian Publishers Association New Author Award in 2015, Jen writes widely for both print and digital publications. Additionally, she travels to speak at churches, conferences, and retreats. She holds a B.A. in French from Wheaton College. And an MA in Literature from Northwestern University in Evanston, Illinois. She's married to Ryan and they have five school aged children and live in Toronto. You can find more at jenpollockmichelle.com. And since we even got that conference bio, you have, uh, you've you've produced a new book in 2019. Tell us a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, the book is called Surprise by Paradox The Promise of And in an Either or World. And, um, you know, it really explores four themes in Scripture that require us to maintain tension, um, that kind of require us to maintain the both and. So I look at um, the incarnation, obviously, to think about Jesus being both God and man, but also how that then, how we live out of that truth, you know, that um, our lives are otherworldly and also very earthly. Um, And then the second theme is the kingdom um, and the paradox of... You know, it being something that was long promised and also a surprise. Um, You know, it's interesting, like, even when you get to the story of uh, the disciples on the Emmaus Road, you know, and Jesus opening up the scriptures like, it's all here, guys, (laughs) you know, and you kind of missed it. Um, And, you know, the kingdom being something so cosmic and also compared to yeast working through a loaf um, of dough, Um, So some of those kind of paradoxes that we see in scripture, then I talk about grace being a paradox. Um, You know, the idea that even just what I talked about yesterday, that it's both a rescue and a response, Mm. you know, that our salvation, you know, we look at like Philippians 2, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Because grace is totally, you know, salvation apart from anything that we could ever do. Um, So untangling some of that. And then the last section is lament. Um, and just thinking about how do we as Christians kind of maintain the tension between um, hope and also reckoning with the reality of suffering, you know, not having to say that it doesn't hurt, not having to say that it's not really that bad, you know, but saying, you know, the world is incredibly broken. And I think we get to join the chorus of psalmists who say, how long, O oh Lord? Mm. Yeah.
0: Mm. What well, gave you such a burden to write? I'm surprised by Paradox.
1: I think. You know, I mean it it's one of those things. You know how many times we make sense of things kind of looking in the rear view mirror? Sure. Yeah. And I think I think it's a little bit of that. You know, when I look in the rear view mirror and I think about my first two books, there really are kind of places of paradox. You know, I think about desire, you know, the caution of desire and and the call too, you know, that we're both saints and sinners, um, and, um, buried with Christ and raised to walk in newness of life. And so how do we make sense of desire There's So there's tension there and to think about home and our longing for home and that being something very eternal Mm -hmm. and heavenly, but also like a work that we're called to now, you know, because we all have homes, you know, no matter where we live, we're all sort of, um, trying to bear witness to, the goodness of God in our cities, and so I think surprised by paradox makes sense because I guess I'm drawn to those places where there aren't just these easy, tidy formulas. Like, well, home is you know your life with God in you know after you die. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think as Christians, um, it's really important for us to be able to hold tension because there are so many things in life that don't just easily fall into an either-or category. Yeah,
0: and and I want to talk about that a little bit just during our time today on this podcast, and, and I guess we're recording this, and we are on the heels of several prominent, um, I guess so-called deconversion mm-hmm. stories of prominent ministry leaders who once were not just Seemingly walking with Jesus, but leading many others in their walks with Jesus, and and now have said, um, I can't reconcile these doubts or these questions or these concerns, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm leaving the faith. Mm-hmm. For me, many of these more prominent examples came on the heels of um, several students in our community, several students who had been their youth pastor, mm-hmm. uh, having having a similar experience, mm-hmm. and and so it hit much more close to home yeah. for me in terms of students saying. Man, I can't make sense of, of these paradoxes mm-hmm. these tensions and so I'm, I'm running um, if I'm not mistaken one of the metaphors that you use in um, surprised by paradox is Moses and the burning bush right a bush mm-hmm. that's burning but not being consumed and, and his response is I'll go in for a closer look yeah. did I that I represent that correctly? Absolutely. Okay. How can we sort of create this atmosphere where we don't drive our students from tension? Yes. We invite them to it, Mm
1: -hmm. to come
0: closer, Mm -hmm. to to take a closer look. How can we create an atmosphere where we're proactively training our students, not just to flee from paradox or or seeming contradiction, but to come in for a closer look?
1: Mm -hmm so glad we're talking about this, especially in the context of the deconversion stories, you know, because I wonder, I mean, I'm sure that all of those stories are very particular, um, but I wonder if some of those people, whether you're students or some of the people who are a little bit more visible, um, you know, did they not have any kind of room to kind of say for things that were incomprehensible, you know, things that were mysterious, things that, defied kind of simplistic explanation, like even suffering, truthfully. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a huge category for people. Um, you know, you look at the book of Job and how Job's friends, you know, they kind of wanted to draw this really tidy line between, Job, you did this, and that's why God has done that this. And, of course, they weren't explaining the story correctly. And Job... Doesn't really get all the answers to his questions. And I wonder if we need, as we help people kind of form faith, we need to help them see what the posture of faith really is, that it's not certainty on everything. It's certainty on revealed truth. You know, I mean, the beauty of the gospel is that there are so many things that we can trust that have been revealed to us. You know, even the, the gospel itself is called by Paul, it's called a mystery, A mystery that's been revealed. You know, I like how G.K. Chesterton talks about the mystery story that it's always moving to this point of intelligibility, like the aha of the detective story, where all the clues, you know, start to make sense. Mm. And you look back and you think, of course, I should have seen it all along. You know, and um, that's the gospel. Christ is that point of intelligibility where we look back and we say, aha, it all makes sense. But that isn't to say, just because the gospel is a revealed mystery doesn't mean that we have comprehensibility on everything. There's still, we serve a God whose ways are not our ways, whose thoughts are not our thoughts. And I think we worry a little bit about that with students because they're asking us questions. They want, they want answers. And um, <clears throat> we want them to feel that the Bible is reliable, But I think there's a difference between telling our students the Bible is sufficient and the Bible has inexhaustible truth on every subject and, you know, every question that you would ever ask. Sure. I also think, you know, one of a category, and this was suggested to me by somebody else when I was talking about the book um, in a group, Um, somebody said, you know, it strikes me that in scripture, probably a category that is more helpful is it's not certainty so much that's commended to us, but trust Hmm. And I think that's really helpful um, to help our students to see, okay, what are the things we can be certain about? What are the things that we're kind of left really still wondering about? Um, and how do those things that we wonder about, you know, how can we still exercise trust Um so I wonder. I mean, I think about those deconversion stories. Did they think they had to have certainty on everything, and then when it, they ran up against something that they couldn't explain, they, did they just feel like, well, I guess, I guess, I guess it's not true. Hmm. You know, I guess Christianity isn't true. I, I don't know. I'd love to talk to somebody. You know about what that? T- I think about my own teenagers. I have a son who is very philosophical, very intellectual and, and, and asking a lot of really important questions now. And as a parent, I want to be able to say to him, those are great questions. I don't know the answers to all of them. Now, how can we, as parents and youth leaders, we can go to scripture together and we can, um, you know, see what God is telling us. And we can also kind of leave room to say, you know, he hasn't told us everything or the, our knowledge is finite. We're creatures. He's the creator.
0: That's helpful. And I appreciate that tagline of um, we can commend certainty, but certainty on revealed truth. Yes. And God hasn't revealed everything to us. Mm-hmm. His ways are above our ways. And to be able to say these are the things that we're sure about, mm-hmm. God's goodness, mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. His graciousness, his loving kindness, his faithfulness to his people, the fact that the we know yes. how the story ends. Yes. But there's a lot of stuff that we're just not sure about. Yeah. I think that's a helpful philosophy. Um, and, and I hope that our listeners will take that and will proactively start incorporating that into their ministries. Mm-hmm. But I also know that they're going to have to react. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to react to the student, um, mm-hmm. whether this is a, a youth minister or a parent who has a teenager that comes to them and says, I, I'm not a Christian. Mm. Uh, you, you may have thought that I was a believer, but I'm not a Christian. I'm I'm running the other direction. Mm. And I wanted to know, maybe on the flip side of the coin, how would you coach a youth minister, a parent, to react? Um, how would you encourage that youth worker to shepherd that student who's in the crisis of faith, who's, who's announced a deconversion?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, first of all, really trying to understand what's going on. She's like, oh, I'm, I'm so glad that you're willing to share with me where you are right now. Tell me more about that. You know, tell me what's kind of brought you to this point. Just asking really good questions to figure out. Because, you know, truthfully, sometimes the, the intellectual, philosophical question is really sort of the front for an ethical um, objection. You know, I, what I really want to do is I want to just kind of follow my own ways, mm-hmm. you know. I really want to date this person. I really want to whatever. I mean, you know, have this kind of relationship. Sure. And so it's easier for me to say, well, I disagree with Christianity intellectually than actually really admit. Yeah. I mean, what's what's at at odds here are my desires and the desires of God for my life. And and helping kids maybe to articulate that, if that's true, really facing what's going on. Being able to name, I mean, is it an intellectual, philosophical doubt, or is it something else? So asking questions, I think we can't be afraid. I think that we have to believe that for as much as we love our kids and our teenagers and our youth groups, God loves them way more. Mm, Amen. That God is the shepherd who leaves the 99 for the wandering one. God is the woman who will sweep the entire house to find the missing coin. You know, he's the patient father looking for the son, you know, returning on the road. And so trusting in God's long-suffering, trusting in God's steadfast love, um, I think can help us when we just feel afraid. Mm -hmm. And to have a really long view. I mean, I actually had a wonderful conversation with my Uber driver coming to this conference. That's amazing. So cool. Grew up in a Christian family, you know, loving parents who taught him the truth of the gospel. He went to play football at the University of Kansas, and he just had this time of wandering, you know, that I think lasted into his adulthood. It wasn't just a kind of a university prodigal sure. experience. And um, And then eventually, you know, he talked about coming back to Chicago, You know, he was living a lifestyle that certainly, you know, was nothing, nothing that his parents or God would have approved of. And he kept running into his pastor. (laughs) Wow. And he just said, like, and eventually he was like, wow, God, I think you're really trying to get my attention here. And, And, I mean, that could have been 10 years. He didn't tell me the entire timeline. But my sense was that, you know, it was a long stretch. It wasn't, you know, three years or three months. And so I think not being afraid recognizing that sometimes you know these things take a long time and then what can our response be we pray i mean i think one of the paradoxes of prayer is that i mean i I was recently reading in philippians paul's in in prison and he's saying i trust that your prayers and the help of the spirit of christ will result in my deliverance Mm. well you know as reformed people We know the spirit of Christ, right? Like we believe God's working out his will. Somehow, paradoxically, he's asking us to pray and to participate with him and the things that he wants to do in the world. That's incredible. And so, you know what? Get on your knees for these kids, Mm. you know? And like Christopher Ewan said last night, fast for them. You know, fast and, and call out to God and believe that he is merciful.
0: That's, that's amazing. And I'm, just based on where this conversation has gone, I want to jump to um, a, a question I wanted to ask you, not just about approaching and conversation, but, but the power of relationship mm. in shepherding students who have doubts, who have questions, maybe who are full-blown wondering. Mm. Right? So one of Rooted's foundations, um, I guess one of Rooted's foundations for our philosophy of ministry is relational discipleship. Not just articulating theology, but embodying theology mm-hmm. for our students. When it comes to students who are expressing doubts about the Bible, concerns about the Christian worldview, good teaching is certainly part of that equation. Mm-hmm. But it's not the entire equation. Mm-hmm. How would you say the power of relationship is at work when we are walking with students and inviting them to be surprised by paradox?
1: Mm-hmm. I think about the mystery of the incarnation. You know, you think about all the ways that God could have gotten the work of salvation done. You know, He could have just sort of dropped some leaflets from the sky, <laughs> um, but He He sent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, That's like amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but He sent His Son. Like it is that it feels actually incredibly inefficient, doesn't it? It does. You sent a He sent a person who had very limited time, I mean, as we all do, limited time, limited capacity. Like, God assumed all of those limitations of personhood. And how did he get His work, the work of the kingdom done? Through the relationship of the inner three, and then the relationship of the twelve, and then these concentric circles of relationships. I think we have to believe that's how mysteriously and paradoxically God gets the cosmic work of the kingdom done, And what happens in relationship? I mean, people get to see, you know, people get to not just hear what you say, they get to see how you live. You know, as people come into my home, people get to see how I interact with my kids. You know, people get to see like, I mean, just all kinds of things, you know, and I think as we invite students into our lives through relationship, we're asking them, don't just hear what I say, but actually watch how, watch how I live. Mm. And Paul said that all the time. He said, what you've heard and seen in me, you know, put these things into practice. And you can't do that apart from relationship. I mean, Paul couldn't have said what you've seen in me put into practice unless he had a relationship with the people that he was writing these letters to. That's good. Um, you know, we can, be this, we can be a little bit afraid of that because the truth is, as people are in relationship with us, they're going to discover we're human. They're going to discover that, you know, we don't always live out our ideals, we don't always, we're not, we're not always nice. We're not always faithful. It's good. We don't always, you know, take our responsibilities very seriously. They're going to find us in all of our humanness. And you know what? Then what we get to actually tell our students is, is the thing that God really accepts is the broken and contrite heart. Oh. Just walking in that humility and vulnerability of, like, we ourselves, you know, fully disclose that we're human, which means that. We're limited and also sinful, and um, we're trusting in God's grace for that. And then as we kind of model that, they get to learn that right alongside us. I think it's incredible. I think about—honestly, I've been discipling someone since she was about 18. She was a college student when we lived in Chicago. She showed up at my house like multiple times a week just to kind of sit at my counter and drink coffee and watch me run around and chase my kids. <laughs> and now she's 32, and she's starting her own family, wow. and like we're still in relationship with each other. I mean, we didn't necessarily form or formally always kind of study things together. So much of what I think I've maybe handed off to her in terms of the faith has just been kind of organic yeah. and um, embodied in everyday life. I love
0: that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, One of the things that we try to do on the Rooted Podcast when we have opportunities is simply just let our listeners get to know our speakers a little bit better. So I'm going to fire some lightning round questions at you.
1: Okay, sounds good. All
0: right, so first question I've got, is it Toronto or Toronto? Toronto. No T.
1: No T. If you live in Toronto, it's Toronto. Toronto.
0: All right. So when yeah. I introduced you in your bio and said Toronto, you like cringed a little bit. No,
1: inside. no, no, no. I was like, well, you just aren't from there.
0: <laughs> I'm also, <laughs> as I said earlier, really trying to enunciate words today. So it was a, it was an overemphasis there, but no T,
1: <laughs> no T, no
0: T. All right, yeah. guys, no T. Like there it is.
1: <laughs> Toronto.
0: Toronto. Um, yeah, that's good. What's your, what's been your biggest surprise about living in Toronto.
1: Biggest surprise is the secret hostility that some Canadians have against Americans. Okay. I always just thought I think you grew up American and you think like, you know, Canadians are like just like us. And Canadians are like, we're not like you, and we don't even like you all the time. Wow. <laughs> but we won't tell you that because we're super polite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. It sounds like, so I'm from the American South and it sounds a lot like the South. Oh, does it? Everybody's super polite. And <laughs> we were talking about this on the way over here this morning. It's like, man, it's feigned politeness a lot of times because yeah. people are super polite and will say, bless your heart. And then, you know, we'll just like murder you behind your back with their words as soon as you're out. Yeah, for yeah.
1: sure.
0: So, all right. Yeah. So Southern Canada, Southern United States, <laughs> it's all the same. Exactly. It's all the same. What is, so where, you didn't grow up in Toronto. No. Where are you from?
1: I'm from all over. I grew up in Indiana, Missouri, Tennessee, Ohio. Yeah, I think that's it. All and over. My, yeah, I went to high school in Ohio, and that's where my mom and stepdad still are. Okay.
0: Yeah. What's what? What do you miss most about home? home? Where, wherever wherever home is.
1: I know, such a funny question, isn't it? Like, where is home? I think I'm going to have to say Target.
0: That's Although it's a, probably awesome. yeah. better for
1: my budget that uh, that I don't have a target. Target actually, Target came and went and s- since the time we've lived in Canada. It totally didn't survive, unfortunately. Really? Canada. Yeah, that was a real disappointment. And funny, funnily enough, I think my husband actually was more disappointed than I was. But I do miss Target. I love you know the fact that you can like buy so many different kinds of things at Target. I know
0: it. We don't have a Target near us either. Okay. And I, I think church planting is financially feasible because we don't have a Target. <laughs> I I just do So I I understand that for sure Um, All right, Jen What is What is a song That you listen to As a teenager That you still rock out to When no one's around
1: My husband would find this Really funny Because I'm such Not a music person Like I don't turn on The radio all the time Um, Even in high school I didn't But if I say this Don't judge me I'm not There's no judgment Love Shack
0: Come on No no
1: no That's great
0: (laughs) That's amazing B-52s, right? <laughs>
1: yes.
0: That's it's an Athens, Georgia college band, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so interesting. Come back. So that's my neck of the woods. Okay, I like very it. nice. I like it. Love Shack. I'm going to have that stuck in, in my head for the rest of the day, as will all of our, <laughs> our listeners, which is great. All right, last lightning round question I've got. For I'll, I'll mercifully let you off the hook after this one. If you could meet any celebrity, living or dead, who would it be?
1: <sighs> I forgot you were going to ask me this. I should so sure <laughs> have given this more thought. You know the person who comes to mind is Michelle Obama. Okay, I read her biography, her autobiography. Um, she reads it in her own voice. Is that I actually, listen to it. Yeah, becoming.
0: My wife just finished doing the same thing.
1: It's an amazing book, and having she grew up on the south side of Chicago, like her story is so um, amazing. And I think I'd just love to just meet her, and you know, she seems super down to earth. And yeah,
0: I love that. I love that. Jen, it has been such a wonderful time getting to sit down and have this conversation with you. I know our our readers and our our listeners, those who are tuning into our blog and to our content, are going to benefit from it. I've benefited from it. Um, Anyone who heard your talk yesterday at the conference has been greatly blessed by your ministry. So thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Davis. If
0: folks want to learn more about you and some of the stuff that you're doing in terms of uh, whether that's writing, books, speaking engagements, where can they learn more?
1: You can go to my website, and I would suggest just sign up for my monthly newsletter. That's honestly where I connect most and kind of keep people up to date with what I'm writing, what I'm thinking about, reading. I always share the books that I'm reading. People tend to be interested in that. So you can sign up at jennpollockmichelle.com if you can figure out how to spell all those (laughs) (laughs) names.
0: J-E-N-P-O-L-L-O-C-K. M-I-C-H-E-L. Nice. Dot com. Thank you so much for joining us. And y'all, thank you for listening to the Rooted Podcasts. For more resources, which are grace-filled, gospel-centered, and Bible-saturated, be sure to find us on the website, www.rootedministry.com. This has been the Rooted Podcast, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for listening to The Rooted Podcast, where we hope to communicate the
1: truths of the gospel and apply those truths to youth ministry. We would love for you to check out our website, where we publish articles daily geared towards both youth ministers and
0: parents. You will also find resources and more information about our conferences,
1: regional events, and more at www.rootedministry.com.